Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe fighter topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we want to try something a little different this week. Uh, I Instead of having a guest, we try to kind of stay in the background a lot. Mm-hmm. But instead of ha- having a guest, I really wanted uh, you to talk about the work that you've been doing for Mass the Mainframe. Because I think this year represents, from an infrastructure perspective at least, a very different way of doing things. Oh, th- it, thank it's... you for having me, Frank. <laughs> it's it's so, an honor. Yeah, right. So can you start by kind of talking about um, how this is really kind of fundamentally different from the way we've approached Master the Mainframe in the past? Yeah. So, I mean, Mass- this is Master the Mainframe's 16th year. Um, and the way that we we did it in the beginning was a total shot in the dark. And we had a lot of lucky guesses and some things that we changed along the way. But it has always fundamentally been um, what I've called a mainframe obstacle course. Uh, somebody wants experience with mainframe. And if we were just to deliver somebody just, okay, here's an ID, they they would have no idea what to do. So we, we set up a whole bunch of challenges. And it's this JCL doesn't work. Well, first, let me show you what JCL is. Let me show you how to open up a data set, get logged into the system and do all this stuff. And and like any good kind of uh, edutainment experience, you don't realize what you're learning until you get to like a checkpoint and realize, oh, wow, I, I've, I've picked up a bunch of skills that I never had before. And then this is the first year where um, I got to take control of writing all of the challenges for for the the contestants to do I, I said I don't want I want I don't want this kind of uh, legacy of this is the way that things were before kind of hanging over me and impacting the way that we do things uh, Paul Newton has done just a phenomenal job in in getting students um, you know uh, underway for the past 15 years but I I wanted to say okay fresh start with everything so one of the first things we did was, start over with brand new uh, style of instructions instead of putting everything into a primarily text-based you know one flat web page kind of thing uh, we made them pdfs so we made sure everybody was seeing the exact same thing and we we set them up a lot like um like hello fresh uh, food preparation cards where there's uh, like literally Colton Cox took like a, a some HelloFresh cards and he, he completely um, got inspired by their style. So every single step is starts with a verb or some sort of action. It has a screenshot that shows exactly what's supposed to happen um, more or less. And and the, the instructions are written in a very specific voice. Um, and there's there's two parts two reasons we did that one is to just make it very very clear about what's expected at each step so you know okay i did everything here i can move on to the next thing and i feel confident but also it is very deceptive in how it hides the amount of instruction that we're giving them uh, there's there's probably more text in this year's contest than there was in previous years contest but we do a really good job of of hiding it in these steps. So you say, okay, it's okay. The one, this step is just to go in here and look at this. Okay. I can do that. And now you're at step two. Well, I'm halfway through the page. I might as well do this one. And then you do that <laughs> one. Then there's, oh, there's just one more on this page. It might do that. And it's, it kind of gamifies the whole thing. So people move through it. Um, that, that was one of the big things I wanted to take on this year. The other huge thing is this is the first year that we're not using uh 30 do 70 
and ISPF for for the contest. And you know, before I know, uh, Mike Fulton set uh, the world on fire uh, two weeks ago, <laughs> saying that he doesn't like JCL. I will say that I like ISPF and thirty two seventy. And there's there's just nothing faster than ISPF and muscle memory that you can get around so fast. And you know, that's that's uh, that's the advanced tool right there. But um, we were really faced with a lot of challenges of how to get those terminals onto people's machines in the year 2020. Um, <laughs> people's keyboards don't have function keys. They don't have insert keys. There's the whole backspace delete thing, uh, return enter. I mean, typically the first couple weeks of Mass of the Mainframe are just spent debugging you know, oh, I know you typed the right thing there, but you got there with your arrow keys and not your tab key and and, and all this kind of stuff. So um, we wanted to to get straight into the, the matter of the contest um, and kind of skip over that if we could. And this was the first year, um, I'll say, that Zoe uh, with the VS Code plugin made it possible to do uh, data sets and members and JCL and USS and just get um, a fairly wide uh, array of access to the mainframe right through a standard editor. So it was the right time to do that. Uh, those are just like two of the, the biggest changes that happened this year in terms of how we set up the contest. So, so yeah, there's a lot to unpack in what you've already said, right? So the, that first uh, part about, uh, and, and not that the, the challenge hasn't always been uh, competitive, but but really taking game theory to the next level and and driving it um, the way you have. Are you getting from the people who have been competing on this um, a feeling that, that it was a lot easier for them to do because of that? Or I, I don't know about easier, but the, the gamification has paid off and it might have even um, come back to haunt us. Because typically people, they'll, they'll do some challenges and they'll say, okay, this has been fun. I'm going to step away for a little bit. And you hope they come back. Uh, people didn't sleep for like the, pers- the first three days of the, the contest. They were just like, I need to get through the, the Rex challenge. How do I do this? And I had to remind them like, hey, uh, this runs until the end of the year. <laughs> you, you don't need this fixed right now. Like calm down. Like t- <laughs> Un- unlock your caps key and take a nap and come back to this. But uh, it's it's it really is the way that one challenge leads into the other. And we we really try to hype them up. So yeah, yeah that gamification definitely played off. Uh, I, w- I will say that um, I'm just going to go off of uh, personal experiences. But if, if you go into uh, a pizza shop, let's say I go to Frank's Pizza Shop today, and and you ask, hey, uh, there's that new Frank's Pizza place in town. You know, how is it? I'm not going to say the floor is so level. You wouldn't believe how <laughs> how level the floor is. It's incredible. It's so flat and free of any. You know, you don't say that. You you don't point out that out unless there is a problem. And the fact that people got right into the challenges and weren't hung up on you know the tab keys and the function keys. And how do I install this in my machine? They were right there. We've had very few uh, people getting stuck with just getting the uh, you know VS Code and the plugins installed and running, and getting connected. That has uh, the majority of those those problems have just disappeared this year. So that's that definitely paid off uh, in a big way. 
So, so this kind of gamification and, and model, that's probably going to have to continue, right? Because Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, in the past, the, you had no visibility, and this is not a knock on previous year's contest. It's just we didn't consider this. You had no way to know if you were ahead of other people or behind other people. And it, it got a little bit better when we added in uh, the Slack channel so you could see like what other people were doing. But we we used uh, the Influitive platform this year, which we've used in the past for for other for other content in our group. We use the Influitive platform, and we actually, at the end of every challenge, they submit um, uh, some JCL. They don't know they're submitting JCL. We just say right click on this thing and, <laughs> and click you know submit job. Um, they learn about that, but that's that kind of speaks to how how easy it is. They right click on this thing and say submit job, and that checks their work through some some spot checks that we have written up, which they don't get to see, and it fires off an API call or a REST API call to this Influitive platform, which says contestant you know one two three four five just finished um, challenge or con- challenge number whatever and it will either come back and say yes I know you already told us that or it'll say oh I didn't know that let me mark that as correct and in real time they see the next uh, couple challenge challenge or challenges unlock and appear and become available on the web page and they get their points and they get to see themselves like mo- moving up through the ranks and earning awards and and all that kind of stuff so it's it's very real time. Um, and we're, we're leveraging the Influitive platform to handle like the front end web page for everything. So that's, that's something we, we never had before. It was very much like you have your own user space. You look at your files. Uh, this just makes you feel like you're, you're part of something bigger, I think. Uh, would you say that? Um, yes. It- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Frank. Great. That was good. So let me ask a different question. <laughs> Are there where there were enough challenges? If if you started it today, knowing now what you know, then would you have would you have included more challenges? Would you've made it run longer, or or is everybody already done? And you're like, gee, I wish I, had, I wish I had made it harder. Um, that's a, that's actually a really good question. But but uh, yes, I, I I wish I had time to add a couple more. Like I wish we had gotten into high level assembly. Um, but what what people need to realize is this is not a mainframe training course that we're doing here. This is a a free, fun, you know, obstacle course kind of thing. So I, I get it when people sometimes people get to the end like, oh, I really wish there was like a big slide or like you know a a wall to climb up <laughs> or something like that. Um, at, at the end of the day, writing challenges that are um, not only engaging but makes sense for a person on the mainframe to be doing in, in, in 2020. Um, we have to really, really kind of thread a needle, uh, so that we don't, uh, we, we keep it competitive. We also keep it fun. So a couple people finished way earlier than I thought they would part (laughs) three level three is meant to be like exhaustive. Um, the whole thing is meant to be just a, a filter that gets smaller and smaller towards the end. Um, there's always going to be people who who complete the whole thing in a couple of days, but there are people who spend the bulk of their time in level two. Um, I would like to, and I, I think the platform allows for this to write up a couple like just for fun challenges and throw them out there. Uh, the the problem is that um, 
spelling it out that those things are optional and you don't have to do them <laughs> sometimes gets lost. So right. uh, it, it's maybe once the contest lapses and goes into next year, uh, we'll start adding some more just for fun ones, um, link them to you know some special access or something like that. But yeah, it's I'm I'm really proud of the way the challenges are. Uh, I wish that it, it kept on going, but just keeping the the existing challenges that we have right now in my head, so that when somebody says I'm having a problem with this, I can I can remember what that is without consulting like a giant book is also kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember back in the dark ages when I played Mist. Um, once once I had finished the game, going back and and hitting events that I didn't do before or mm -hmm. or puzzles that were kind of extra um, became the fun thing to do. And, and it seemed to me that something like that would be really cool here. You know, of course, it's your time. So what do I care? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's actually something I was thinking about doing the other day is um, there was there's one challenge specifically where I said, this is what's required. By the way, it's also really nice if you do this. And I, I, I think it's um, we, we want you to provide the output, by the way, it'd be really nice if it's like sorted by income or something like that and putting in more additional stretch challenges, um, that like you, that only get unlocked when you do like the whole thing might be a good way of, um, uh, of just keeping the, uh, keeping the, the movement there. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it, it is, it is time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, we, we. We thought we were done writing the challenges about two months ago, and uh, we unleashed the our internal IBM testers on them, and they proceeded to open up like 200 uh, Git issues for for us to go in and fix. So it's a lot of it is just like, well, you, if you read this in Jeff's voice, it makes sense. If you read in anybody else's voice, it doesn't. So we have to fix that. You know, you make one change and it affects 18 different screenshots, like just just that kind of thing. We tried to button things down as much as possible. Yeah. So can you give us an idea of, of how long it took? Because it sounds like it, you know, if it took a, a day to actually go through the whole thing, it would take a month to generate those challenge. For it's for for it to take a day for someone to go through it, they would probably either have to be like in the top 0.5% or already have experience. Most people it's, it's taken them uh, about a week. And at that point we're on like a first name basis in the Slack channel. Cause it's, <laughs> it's like all they do. Um, but I really started and I looked at this the other day. Um, the first draft of the challenges was like back in February. Um, it was, you know, back when I could still get in my office, I had a whiteboard <laughs> and just drawing out like, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what we can do through VS Code and the Zoe plugin, because I I, I wanted to do everything I could do to, to not have to deal with, with 3270 issues again this year. Um, again, I, I love ISPF. Let me just put that out there. But, but I, I, I really wanted to do something transformative this year. So I, I started out with the basics, which was, you know, JCL, data sets and members, USS. And then I talked to, to Mike Fulton and he's like, hey, we have this ZOAU thing. I'm like, that could be an interesting way of reintroducing this, the fundamentals they just learned. So I had them do some of the stuff they did earlier um, through a ZOAU script in the USS space. Uh, and that uh, at the end of level two, which is basically like the hardcore fundamentals kind of stuff, 
they're actually writing a Python program that reads and uh, and, and parses um, a fairly large input data set using Python implementing uh, an algorithm. So it's it's tapping into like five things there, and they don't quite realize what they're doing, uh, but they're they're getting their hands in a lot of stuff. But we started writing stuff out like on a board with no specifics back in February. Um, started coming up with like the the twist that's going to make it memorable, um, you know, in, in the months that follow. It was actually a, a trip to share, which I think was, was it, I think it was February, might have been right. early March. Um, that's when we got to see like some of like the newest Zoe stuff and got support from the Zoe members that like, yeah, we'll, we'll help you with this thing. You know, Joe Winchester is just like could not support us anymore. <laughs> with uh with getting you know zoe into the contest and it, it it that that's what kicked everything into overdrive um that's also when i got to meet with uh for the first time in person with uh, bill bill Pereira. we got to meet with paul newton and just talk about how are we actually going to pull this off from a, a logistical standpoint because another big challenge was in the past and this is something that's always irked me is every contestant got their user id and we would say your password is set to this and everyone starts out with the same password and it's on them to change the password and that never goes right it, it, it that's <laughs> that's the first couple of weeks right there is just resetting passwords and bill is just incredible he he's he's a shining example of where people what people should be doing on the mainframe today he he wrote a utility where when someone comes in an api call goes out from the contest platform the web page it grabs the next available id generates a password resumes the id and says your user id is this your password is this if you need to reset it come right back here and just hit a button and it's it's that pizzeria floor thing it's just like it works yeah. all the time and you don't you don't think about how great it is just because we don't have to deal with it anymore Right, and that probably saved you guys a ton of time not having to deal with people. People think that we're like really uh, trying to advance, uh, uh, you know, advance the contest and everything. At the end of the day, we're just trying to make ourselves less busy. So <laughs> every single advancement is like, if we can automate this in like Node, uh, we we will do it. That's that's, but that 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 frees us up to do more interesting things with the the challenges. And I I, I want to spell something out that you know. Um, as you, as you know, my lovely wife is, is a teacher and I was trying to pin down what we were trying to do with the challenges. I'm like, I want to like start them out with something and then like make it harder, but then they use what they learn to do the next thing. And she's like, that's called scaffolded learning. And the more she spelled it out to me, like, that's what we need to be doing. Um, where you, you start somebody out with like a really simple example where just like a thing works and they can see the thing working and they can look at it from all the different angles then you say, okay, we'll make this change to it. Like if it's JCL that worked, you know, change the data, the input data set name from this to this. Okay, well, I, I just have to find that and make this change. And, you know, and then the next step is like, okay, this thing is broken, fix it or add this other feature to it. And you keep increasing the difficulty until they don't realize that they've become an expert with it. And it's, it's something so simple, um, but you have to kind of keep it in mind as you're building things. And it's, it's, it's not that complex. It's it's how every single video game works. You, know, you 
you start out with like, here's your sword swinging around a couple of times. Okay, good. You, (laughs) you found the a button. And then it's like, here comes a a defenseless blob with, with eyes on it. Like, you know, tackle that thing. Okay. I I can do that. You know, had no chance of killing me, but I swung the sword at it and I killed it. And then it's like, okay, here's a thing that can actually like shoot fire and, you know, you have to do some stuff. So it's constantly applying what you've learned. And uh, towards the end, they see like hints of things they learned before coming back and like, ah, I know how to do that. (laughs) So very, it was a a lot of it was, uh, we we put a lot of thought into making it look easy and effortless. Right. Well, and that's it. The the more work you guys did set up uh, really kind of made that easier for not only them, but you um, at runtime, right? Yeah. So, oh, be, being able just to log into this Influitive platform and and using some of the tools that Bill wrote up and just get like a snapshot or a diagnostic of what's going on to, you know, debug situations. You know, people think they finished a challenge, but they really didn't, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, if we had to chase this kind of stuff manually, um, I'd, I'd be walking somewhere <laughs> through the Midwest of New York State. You know, uh, the state's just rambling to myself by now. So. <laughs> So, so can you kind of um, talk a little bit, because it sounds like from an infrastructure perspective, it's not just, hey, uh, log on to Z and do these things. Mm-hmm. There's all these different interactions. Can you describe that a little bit or is it too much for, you know? For me to understand, I, I think I think a distinguished engineer such as yourself should be able to understand <laughs> this. So, I, 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 are you, are you talking about like how they log into the system or like how we set it up? Yeah, can you kind of describe? Because it sounds like the the um, it, because it's dealing with this other platform that it's not. Hey, you you get onto the Z and do something. Oh, it's really this interaction between these. Well, you're you're still right? you're still logging into Z. I mean, that's the Z is what drives the whole thing. We're basically using the Influitive platform as like a dashboard and to handle all the the you know the web facing uh, kind of stuff. But right. um, in in to to get like even through level one, you need to download VS Code, download the plugin, you log in with your mainframe ID, you you submit some JCL, you look at data sets, you poke around. Uh, we initially had it so you um, submitted a command, an MVS command, and looked at the output. Um, we'll get into later why we had to take that out. Um, but <laughs> they're 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 doing stuff on the mainframe, and we got pushback initially from people saying we're, we're using master the mainframe to train our, our employees or our students and they need to learn the old way. And <laughs> we said, okay, well, this is a contest. And the only way we're going to move the ball forward is by leading by example. Um, and this is so many people's first interaction with the mainframe. And the fact that we get to set that, that bar, that level of expectation of, the mainframe is just another system you can log into and it has its quirks. It has its benefits. It has its, you know, lots of power behind it. When people, we tell people that this, this machine is supporting thousands of people right now on three processors. They're like, wait, three processors. First <laughs> off, that's an odd number. Second, that's a very low odd number. How does that happen? And then we get to start talking about like VM and virtualization and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're interested in, in, in how it works. Um, we, we try to abstract a lot of that away from them. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just the, the, the way that things are set up and the way that people jump in it, it, 
to me, if they don't think about it being a mainframe or if this sets the expectation or the mental image of what a mainframe is, then fantastic. That's, that's the point. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the point of the contest, yeah, it's great to teach them something, but, but to help them get some familiarity and to get them more comfortable and maybe excited about it to me is the big part of the contest. And, you know, you look at some of the high school age uh, students who start playing with this. Um, you know, we all, we both know people in uh, IBM today who who were introduced to the mainframe through this contest. So uh, I like the idea of it being not 3270 based. Uh, um, although people who have gone on to become mainframe aficionados like you kind of still appreciate ISPF. Yeah, I mean, uh, the they're, fact they're... That you're not starting there. Yeah, there there are things you you need ISPF for. There's just no other way to do it. Like I can't manage a storage class and you know do a lot of rack F stuff without there being like you know a panel for that. You need the ISPF panels for it. Yeah. In the future, there might be plugins for it. There might even be like apps on our phone for it. But like, um, so you know, we we are somewhat limited in what we can do for massive mainframe right now, um, based on what's available. But uh, without giving anything away, I can say that like almost like weeks before we're launching the contest, people are saying, Hey, you know, there's all these other, other things that you can use all these other plugins and features. Um, and it's like, okay, cool. Next year we'll do that. So we're, <laughs> we're going to be involving more subsystems and more system stuff in, in next year's based on, you know, what we can give them access to. Um, but it, it really comes down to, you know, I, I think notes and chords. If, if someone says, I want to learn guitar, you teach them a couple chords and you let them feel good about themselves and, and, you know, play those songs from the, you know, G, D, A minor and C. And, you know, there's a million songs you can make out of that. And there's a million things you can do with VS code and, and the Zoe plugin and let somebody get some speed under their wheels, you know, feel good about themselves. And then once they say, I want to see more, you say, okay, well, here's, here's the pentatonic scales, you know, here's, here's music theory. And on, on Z it's, it's like, okay, here's a 30 to 70 console. Here's ISPF. Let's talk about address spaces. You know, you touched on them, but let's really dive into them. Let's get into the, the, the really deep stuff that you didn't see the options of setting, you know, by taking the defaults. So starting them out this way, it's not the be all end all. It's not like we're trying to like hide anything from them. We're just trying to let them get excited and make some headway on their own before we hit them over the head with like parallel sysplex is the greatest thing. Cause I mean, you do that. I do that. It's hard not to someone's like you know, a brand new hire. They've been in the building for two days and they come to us to hear about mainframe. And we're like, and the thing about parallel sysplex in the coupling facility and they're like, what? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to nod politely and say, that's very interesting. But they're like, I have no contest no. to hang any of this off of. So you got, got a lot of them get, got to let them get started build their own vocabulary, build that model in their head. And then we can start to, you know, show the rest of the world to them. So, so most of this then was done through VS code and, and Zoe. Is there, are there any other new modern things? Oh, I guess you mentioned ZOAU as well. Yep. But are there yeah. Other this, this year's contest is really heavily uh, USS based. We do a lot of stuff in USS. Um, they're writing bash scripts. And once they get familiar with the USS space, 
Um, then, well, I'm kind of cruel because I start them out with the regular, <laughs> uh, the old, the, the Bourne shell, mm-hmm. you know, which led to some problems because apparently if you type certain keys in windows, it produces unprintable characters. And then we had to write a special tool to remove those files. But anyway, um, they get in through USS, they do some stuff there. Then they do the Python and ZOAU stuff. They write a bash script. Um, then later on, they leverage the ZOAU stuff they have um, to uh, connect to the system via Ansible through a Docker image, which they install and manage through their VS Code image. So hmm. they're they're jumping all over the place there. Um, at that point, they've submitted JCL like twenty different ways. Um, so they <laughs> they know everything the the old way, the the you know the established ways and the new ways. Uh, they also use the Zoe CLI component of Zoe um, to to create an address space to run Rex, um, interactive Rex, and uh, and do a couple other things. So. You can use the Zoe CLI to create data sets. So we actually have them writing JCL or at least downloading JCL to their local machine and then submit it, like push it up to the system through Zoe CLI and, and look at the output um, in their job output. So they, I think they get a, a really clear picture of what's actually happening on the system um, by just doing that scaffold learning. Start from one way, show it from another angle, and eventually bring it up uh, to something really complex where you're, you know, you've got the whole band playing through, uh, through Ansible. So you've talked about this, like it's been like a, a vacation. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is uh, where if the, there must be something that didn't quite go right or was difficult. Did you have any hiccups along the way? Frank, I haven't, uh, my sleep schedule looks like somebody just threw <laughs> spaghetti at the wall. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been crazy. Uh, so for one thing, uh, this is a worldwide contest. Um, last year, 25,000 people came through the system, uh, in one way or another. So the, the waves of people signing on and signing off throughout the day, is just nonstop. I, I wake up every morning and uh, I open up Slack, and uh, there's just always double digits numbers of people messaging me saying, "Help me with this thing. I'm stuck on this thing. What does this do?" Um, so yeah, there's it's that has been a a, a constant um, drain on my life right there. I love helping people. <laughs> I wish there were like 20 more of me to help more people. Um, right. So that's one thing. But at launch day. Um, so much had to come together at exactly the right time for this to work. I mean, we, the mainframe system had to be set up. The challenge, uh, PDFs had to be like completely polished up to the minute, have all the latest data. Uh, the influitive platform had to be ready. Um, we had like just finished another round of testing like the day before. So we're still integrating those kinds of fixes. And we were all gathered in a, a WebEx, you know, video chat and we're looking at each other. We're getting ready to go live and we're like, we're live. And we see people getting their IDs. Okay. Bill's REST API for the system IDs is working great. Nice. And they're, they're completing the challenges. Oh, nice. And Fluidive is working. And then we just see there's just like a bottleneck where no one's moving on to the next stage. And we're like, huh, that's weird. 
And then we see that like people are popping into the Slack channel already saying like, I can't get to this thing or like, Oh, <laughs> what is that? So we ran into a problem within like the first like five minutes that just stopped everything. Um, fortunately the, the folks that Influid are like, we see what it is, we're going to fix it. And they fixed it like right away. And, you know, log jam cleared up, people were moving along. We're like, okay, cool. If that's the only thing we run into, then we're, we're golden. <laughs> and we sit on this call for like an hour. Everything's going great. We're like, I, th I think we can log off. Stuff's looking good. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm going to get some lunch because I haven't slept or ate in the past 24 hours. And <laughs> I, I literally, I leave the house and I have Slack on my phone and I just see Bill messaging me like, Jeff, something's wrong. Something's going wrong. I'm like, oh no, I, I you know, rush back home and we, we get a message of people can't submit the command to check the work output for their, their challenges. And we're like, what the heck? This was working earlier. Why is it stopped now? Like what's full up? And I, I don't want to get into specifics for, for a variety of reasons, but um, apparently if, if you have like uh, thousands of people on a system, like looking at data sets and submitting jobs, that's fine. That's, you know, that scale is just fantastic. But if you have more than um, 99 people submitting commands at the same time, that, cre that, that runs up against a limit um, because I guess they're considered to be system programmers at that point, and they're opening up these consoles. And even though we're just trying to issue one command, it needs to open up a console, which typically remains persistent. And with that person, they're going to open up a console, throw some commands back and forth. If, if right. more than 99 people do this at the same time, um, we ran out of, you know, we ran out of consoles. <laughs> so we quickly had to come up with a workaround for that. Um, we took the, you know, what was going to be kicked off by that command and put it into some JCL, which is that thing that people are going to look for in their data sets and right click and say, submit this thing. So that, that quickly alleviated the log jam. Um, people had to get the newer version of the instructions, but that was, that was the first day. And <laughs> that was like an hour and a half, I think of my life that I, I just, I really just wanted to hit the pause button. I just wanted to hit a, you know, find me a time machine. Um, it, it was, it was just the worst thing because people were just upset that they could not progress. And we're like, we're working on it as hard as we can. Like, there's no manual out there for how to run a mainframe contest with 25,000 people. <laughs> There's no guidance. Like the people with the experience are already in the room and we've never done it this way before. And then, so we get that work in. That's great. That's fantastic. And then I think later on in the day or like during peak periods, we would get more messages where because they're all submitting the exact same job, the the jazz uh, job cues were getting um exhausted you know because they're just saying one at a time one at a time one at a time and ray mullins uh thank god he was there he he messages me he's like why don't you just turn on this dedupe option or no dupe option <laughs> and i'm like oh, i i don't know paul why don't we just do this and he goes yeah that should work let me try that and whoosh everything just starts running again. We, we moved all those jobs into their own job queue. We set up a whole bunch of new initiators for them. And that was just running, you know, extremely smoothly. So we might do it that way again next year uh, for submitting the jobs. Um, but that was some very under fire learning in the moment uh, type situation for us. <laughs>
Yeah. So are there things that you've learned about the system that you didn't know because of this? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I've had some chance to, uh, p- let's just say, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Um, some people follow instructions in very interesting ways and do things <laughs> that you don't quite expect. So there, there are some, um, some options for, uh, for what you can do with like Zoe CLI and, and Rex that I never thought people would do. Um, that, that made me go down some deep rabbit holes, uh, in terms of like debugging and, and, uh, setting, you know, setting non-default values for creating new data sets. You got people creating data, allocating data sets with thousands of, of tracks on them. Like, what are you doing? They're like, I don't know. I just thought I'd grab a lot of them or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll work. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there's, there's one challenge in there in particular, um, that I, I'm, I'm really proud of because I was trying to come up with a good challenge for Zoe CLI to have them, um, uh, they allocate a vSAM data set and then they take like a CSV file basically and load that columnar data into, or, or you know, comma separated value uh, data into this vSAM data set. And then they use print to print out the output up. So they're using a repro job and then they're using print to, to manage vSAM data. And it, again, it's, it's like shop class. Like, you, you know, you think you're just building a candle holder. The point is not to build a candle holder. It's to teach you how to like, you know, use the router and the drill press and all right. the other stuff. So, um, they, they, they go through all this stuff and we mess up one of the files that provides input. It provides parameters for this merge command. And the output of, and if they listen to the podcast, I mean, uh, if you're half hour into this, you deserve to have, have the answer by now. <laughs> um, if you look at the output of the error message, it says a space is required in column zero or in space zero. Mm-hmm. And when I was setting this thing up, I, all I wanted to do was just run the command. I didn't even think about having them debug a problem. But I copied the example off the internet and I didn't notice there was a space there. And I spent all afternoon looking at this <laughs> dumb message saying, oh, there's an error. How do I fix this thing? And if you if you just read the error message and if you literally Google the error message and you know anything, every single thing you do points you to somebody saying, put a space <laughs> in column zero. And that is the answer. You put a space in column zero. And People keep coming into the Slack, uh, Master of the Mainframe Slack, saying, I'm getting this error. What do I do? And my God, people jump on that immediately. It is like, <laughs> what does the error message say? I just told you it says this. What do you think it's trying to tell you to do? <laughs> so it's a, it teaches you a very valuable message in, in trusting the system when it directly tells you what to do. I'm definitely looking for more examples of that. If anybody listening knows some examples of some error messages that tell you exactly what to do, but you actually have to read them, um, <laughs> send them my way because it's been so much fun watching that this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Would you say, and I, I know we're over time, I'm sp- supposed to stop asking questions, but um, would you, are you seeing more people complete more challenges this year? Oh yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Um, the, the, the ratio of people who start, who I see going through the level two challenges and, and actually synthesizing that knowledge, 
um, it's different from what I've seen in previous years. Cause I, I wasn't directly involved in the contest last year, but I did help out on the Slack channels and I got to see how people did it. Um, I, I feel like the retention and the understanding is a lot better. I, one of the reasons I really wanted to redo everything this year was because we did a, um, like a hackathon at a school last year when we could go outside and do things. And we, um, we had some students who were like just blowing through the contest and I want, I was asking them like, Hey, so, you know, what do you think this is doing? You know, how else could you do this differently? I want to make sure, you know, test their knowledge and their understanding. Like, I don't know, I'm just copying and pasting all the bold parts in. <laughs> and we, we, we really try to make things easy and we try to spell things out and you try to make it like instruction manuals. That's what you would instruct, expect from an instruction manual. It's just like, these are the steps you need to complete. But I, I saw that people weren't really understanding what they're doing, where they wouldn't be able to apply it to something else. And again, that's that's not a knock on on Paul's instructions. It's just we we have to make things somewhat foolproof. And if you try to put things into the context of you know bold things are commands, they they kind of eventually just get into the habit of copying and pasting. Um, but I I've been seeing a lot of people. Um, and this is just purely through the Slack, but there's like thousands of people in the Slack by now. Um, they will start out on their first day asking the simple questions like, how do I, how do I find my user ID? How do I, you know, I, I think I deleted my data set. And then you have to tell them, no, you're just, you know, your filter is set wrong. You know, all this basic stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Right. And then a couple of days later, somebody will pop in with the exact same question. And before I can answer, they answer that person's question. It's like, oh, cool. They, they actually understood it and they were able to rephrase it to somebody else. So that's good. And then you see them, somebody with zero experience before, somebody who you know, couldn't, couldn't fight their way out of a JCL paper bag, they're now asking COBOL questions and they're trying to figure out how to do that stretch assignment on, on the Rex thing. And they're helping other people and they're they're fishing for ideas for this open-ended grand challenge at the end where you just basically do whatever you want and and you know show off how great it is. Uh I've seen a lot of people progress down that line. And that's to me, that's like the true mark of success. Those are gonna be, you know, the rock stars that we we parade out at, you know, the next conferences, whether they be, you know, real or virtual. because uh, these these people are doing stuff on the mainframe that was science fiction, like even just a year ago, um, they're, they're, they're moving along in, in at a pace that is just unbelievable. So, okay. So we're, we're well beyond when we do normally. That's okay. Do, I don't think the editor will mind. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to do something special for him later. Uh, so, uh, first, <laughs> first it was the Coursera stuff and, you know, now you're famous for all the Coursera work that you've done. Clearly. Uh, now, now there's, now there's this. There's also um, the COBOL thing. So, so what's next? What's next for you? Well, I've, I've got this Rex book, uh, on my desk and I, I keep, uh, um, asking my manager, when do we get to make a video about that? Because that's, that seems like it's pretty fun. Um, honestly, what I would really love to do is, is, uh, successful as the, the Coursera ZOS practitioner thing has been. I would love to redo that with um, with the latest tools uh, because 
right now it is all console based and there's a lot of stuff in the course that you know you need a console to get to there's a lot in there that you don't and i would i would love to kind of push that expectation just a little bit further um and and really update it cuz we 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 put that together with what we had at the time and at the time you wouldn't think about using you know vs code and zoe and and web based tools at all um the Z landscape, as you know, is just updating and refreshing, you know, seems like every month, every quarter, at least, uh, there's so much more to show now. I would love to do a refresh version of that. Um, but I, I will say going back to the master of the mainframe, there is, and this just jogged my memory. There's something I, I definitely want to include in next year's. And that's a challenge based specifically on problem solving and debugging. Uh, there's a lot of people who see an error message and they they instantly give up. They say, there's an error message here. I'm going to complain and then stop until somebody fixes this for me because there's an error and there's nothing I can do. <laughs> and uh, a, non-trivial, a tr- non-trivial amount of people act that way. And I really want them to to kind of get into the mindset of, okay, there's a problem. Let me form some opinions about what it might be. Let me split the world in half and come up with an experiment to see, is it over here? Is it over here? Great. Another experiment. Is it over here? Is it over here? And ultimately trace down the fact that, you know, this, the reason this job isn't running is because this data set is full, even though that's not what the error message says. So right. I, I would love to do more kind of like scavenger hunt, you know, murder mystery type, uh, <laughs> I'll talk to Emily, uh, type, type, type challenges in, in the contest. Um, there's certainly no shortage of, of things to do next year in education. We just have to make sure that it's, uh, it's engaging and it's representative of what's fully possible um, at the time. Well, this has been, it's been awesome. Uh, you're, you're getting to the point where, you know, this recording is, uh, is almost like a Jeff Fry recording. So I, I should probably uh, start to wind it down. You mean in terms uh, of, it, uh, in terms of greatness or just, of course, of course, Jeff. greatness. I was just saying it's uh, long, that's all, but well, you yeah. know, of course you're, you're, you're no fellow, but you know this is. People can listen to this on their commute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the way from the bathroom. I don't know. That's <laughs> so this has been great. I, I I really appreciate you uh, um, doing this instead of what we usually do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I made a note. I didn't get to this, but I um I was kind of getting down on myself because the you know for for doing the. VS Code and Zoe instead of ISPF, because I know people really do like that. But um, Mainframe Moshiks, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right on Twitter. He said, uh, anything that makes security, scalability, and availability of the mainframe accessible to people who don't know about it yet is my friend. Uh, <laughs> so that that really put things into perspective. Like If we get people in the door, we can win them over, and then we can show them everything else. And this is, this is a great uh, opening. Um, oh, yeah. he, he then he then closed that tweet by saying, "The day ISPF uh, is removed from ZOS, I'll retire and go sheep farming in New Zealand." <laughs> so clearly, they they have their preferences, uh, but uh, it, that that really put things into the right perspective because I was I was worried that people were going to be like angry about what we did with the contest. But uh, the thing about it's the way we've always done it is you just have to change things once, and now that's the way things are done. 
Right. Well, I know there's always plenty of time to learn the ISPF stuff later. Right. right? I can teach someone ISPF in like 15 minutes. It's just all the stuff around it that uh, we wanted to avoid. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's awesome. I, I I think the work you've done is awesome, and and you know, uh, I won't tell anybody else that though. Thank you. <laughs> I, I would appreciate. It. I would expect nothing else. And uh, there's plenty of time to still sign up. If you're a student, you know, you can win some prizes. There are some awesome prizes. Just go to masterthemainframe.com, and uh, yeah, just start poking away at it. It's uh, it's a free contest. We worked really hard on this. And uh, you can learn some stuff and win some stuff. Maybe we could put a link in there. Maybe a hyperlink, perhaps. In the liner notes. Yeah, there we go. Your, that would be you cool. can co copy and paste it into their browser. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.